understanding the amazing truth behind this one fact that we are indeed free in Christ out of Romans chapter 8. That's where we'll spend our time here today on Graceful Truth. Join us. Charles Wesley put it this way, Long my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound in sin and nature's night. Thine eye diffused a quickening ray. I woke, the dungeon flamed with light. My chains fell off, my heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed thee. Amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, shouldst die for me? In a nutshell, that's what we're looking at today here in Romans chapter 8. Greetings and welcome to Graceful Truth with Pastor Steve Converse from Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. Won't you join us again? Romans chapter 8, Free at Last is the title of our message. Here's Pastor Steve now with today's broadcast. I know that I can't save myself. I need to, I need to be saved. I need a Savior. You have to cross that bridge before salvation is a reality in your life. Before this freedom that we're talking about can become a reality in your life, you have to come before God as a broken sinner. And like the man in the New Testament, raise your hands and beat your chest and say, God, just be merciful to me, a sinner. Please save me. And so Paul says, basically, based on what I just told you in the first seven chapters, therefore, that word relates to the result of consequence in relationship to our justification by faith alone. That we're saved by faith. We're saved by grace. We're saved by a Savior. We don't save ourselves. How many of us can look back on our lives and we live lives as religious people? And we'd work hard every, every week to go to church or to, to do some ritual, some tradition that somehow we thought was going to make us more godly. It doesn't work that way. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, it says, For by grace you're saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's a gift. So that you don't go around boasting that you saved yourself. That's my paraphrase, but that's what it says. You can look it up. So let's look at the comprehensive nature of our freedom. The comprehensive nature of our freedom. He says, therefore, no condemnation. Now, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That word condemnation is an interesting word. It appears only in the book of Romans here in chapter 5, verse 16, and in chapter 5, verse 18. 5.16, he says this, and the, the free gift is not like the result of, of that man, one man's sin, for the judgment following trespass, trespass brought condemnation, but the gift following the trespass brought justification. And then he says in verse 18, Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. And then it's used here in our text. What does this mean, this word? It has the idea that it relates to somebody being sentenced for a crime. That's really what it's saying. 
It has the idea of someone being sentenced for a crime. And it has the emphasis really placed on the verdict and the punishment. We see this all the time in our court system. You can watch Judge Judy and see this. I was going to say Judge Wapner, but I don't, I don't even know if he's around anymore. I date myself. But what does it say? It says, first of all, that you know what? We don't have to fear a trial as believers. We don't have to be fearful of a trial. I know that if I was arrested for driving erratically and it got to the point where maybe I hurt somebody, I would be arrested and, and I'd be put in jail. <laughs> and I would have to await a trial if bail wasn't granted. Well, you know what? The glorious thing of our relationship with God because of Christ is that we don't have to fear a trial. Do you understand that Jesus has already stood trial for us? Amen? I mean, he's, he's done that. He's taken that away. As Christians, we no longer have that fear of a trial hanging over our heads. Some of you know I used to work with the DA's office down in Riverside County. And for the first probably 13 weeks when I got hired, I was totally naive. I had a degree in criminology, but I had no experience in police work. Nothing. I just, I just like to watch the show Cops. And I thought, boy, this is going to be a cool job. So I showed up at the office and they said the first day, well, you know, what am I going to do? I had to fill out all this paperwork. And they said, you got to hurry up because at noon you've got to go over to the courthouse. And our offices in India was right across from the courthouse. And I said, well, what am I going to do? And they, you're going to watch a court case. I said, really? This should be cool. And it was, a, it was, a, I mean, it was murder. It was an interesting court case. Once in a while, they'd tell me, hey, go over to the office and get this thing, get this, you know, bring this back. And I'd do that, but I just sat there. They paid me to watch it. It was like watching TV, you know, it was great. But it was in real life. I mean, I was just, you know, wow, I just couldn't believe God allowed that opportunity. And I remember one time I was leaving the courthouse, and this one man was just, he just looked like he was beside himself. And my pastoral heart came out, and I went over and I said, are you all right? And he looked at me and goes, oh, yeah, I'm fine, I'm fine. He goes, I'm just, I'm just really worried. I said, well, what, what are you worried about? I got a trial. I don't have money for a lawyer. So they're going to give me some public defender. I, he doesn't even know me. He's not even here yet. And his, this guy was truly just frightened because of his pending having to go before and stand before a judge. I praise God every day, beloved, that we do not have to worry about being tried for our sins. Christ has already been tried and he's already taken care of it. And we need to put our faith, our trust in him. Secondly, not only do we have to worry about a trial, we don't have to worry about a sentence. You know, if you if you've ever watched a trial take place and you followed it through to the end, you know, people think that, well, once they're pronounced guilty, that's the end. Oh, no. That's kind of the beginning of the end. Because then they have a sentencing hearing. Sometimes it goes on, can go on for quite a while, depending on the circumstances of the trial. And so they make it through the trial only to have to go through <laughs> the sentencing. Think about it. We don't have to face a sentence. Christ has paid for our sins. He's already received our sentence when he died on the cross. And then the third thing that this speaks to is the idea of no punishment. The Bible says very clearly, by his stripes we are healed. I don't think that's speaking of physical healing clearly or we'd never be sick. 
It's talking about spiritual healing. It's talking about coming to God and realizing that, you know what? Your heart is scarred by the baggage that you've had to come through to your, in your life up until this point. We all have a life experience that we come out of. Some of it's good, some of it's not so good. And that life experience can reach over and even as Christians control us to the point where we're doing things that are not glorifying, not honoring to Christ. And rather than say, you know what? Yeah, it's sin. What do we do? Well, it's because of this. See, in a way, we're being punished. And in Christ, you have to understand that we have been healed from that. Now, don't get me wrong. I understand, you know, if you've been brought up in a tough childhood, that that's going to have consequences, and it's going to affect you. That's very, they're really very real effects that, that, that cause people to have issues in life. I understand that, but I need you to understand more than that, that Christ is sufficient to meet your needs. Don't allow Satan to trick you into using that as an excuse to act how you want over here. Because we all know what that's called. That's called sin. And that's not something that God wants us to be doing and to honor him in our lives. That can't be part of who we are. But as we look at this this passage, he says here very clearly that there is therefore now no condemnation. We don't have to fear a trial. We don't have to fear a sentence. We don't have to fear any punishment. And that speaks to the comprehensive nature. That word no there means basically absolutely not. There's no way that there's going to be any condemnation for those who are in Christ. I always tell believers, if you're feeling condemned, you're probably hanging out with the wrong Christians. Because you know what? We're the worst at that. We're the worst at shooting our wounded. We're the worst at condemning somebody who's, in our view, not living up to our standard. We have to be careful with that. God has spoken clearly on these issues. And the word of God is very clear. But we also have to be realistic with our own lives. Jesus said, hey, you know what? You might want to check your own eye before you go out and uh, try to pick a a splinter out of somebody else's eye. I loved what, I think it was, I'm pretty sure it was John MacArthur. I heard him in a message and he said, you know, I need to be more concerned with the sin in my own heart than the sin in somebody else's heart. And that's a very real statement. And we need to make sure that we're understanding that and we're living that out. But the complete nature of our freedom, that word no, it's, it, it's emphatic. It's, it's basically a negative adverb of time. It carries the idea of complete cessation. It stops. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Jesus completely and permanently paid the debt of sin and the penalty of the law. He was sufficient for our salvation. That's a wonderful thing. That we don't have to grab around over here in the dirt trying to save ourselves. That we don't have to worry about maybe condemnation down the pike if we step out of line. No, we're, we're free in Christ. 
And we need to remind ourselves of that. We need to make sure that we remind others of that. The penalty or the condemnation for sin is something that God has made very, um, very clear. The Bible says in chapter 6, verse 23, for the wages of sin is what? Death. The wages of sin is death. Sin has a price. Don't ever think, well, I'm getting away with it. No, you're not. You're not getting away with it. God sees exactly what you're doing. You can't hide it from him. You may hide it from everybody else. I think even us as Christians, sometimes we're good at hiding it even from ourselves. But he says there in in verse 23, for the wages of sin is death. But listen, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. I mean, what a wonderful statement. I love the butts of of, of, of Scripture. You know, when I come to a butt, I'm just like, man, I'm excited. For the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know, I don't need to pay for my salvation. It's already paid for. You ever gone somewhere that's Maybe fancy, maybe it's a vacation, or maybe it's a night in a hotel, or maybe it's a nice meal, and someone else treated you. I mean, doesn't that make it all, doesn't that make it good? You know, I mean, you know, I mean, unless you're like me, then sometimes you're kind of worried, what what do I order off the menu? I don't want to, you know, insult. I remember a dear brother in our church took, took the leadership out for dinner one time. And we went to a really, really fancy restaurant locally. And I thought, oh, man, this is going to be awkward, you know. You're looking at the menu and you're going to be going, oh, you know, steak's 55 bucks. I can't, you know. So you're looking for this, you know, I'll have a baked potato, please, you know. (laughs) You know, and they want to bless you, but you feel awkward, you know. I think we all would. We get there and I'm like, this is weird. There's no no prices on this menu. (laughs) Our dear brother just blessed us. And he said, you know what? I don't want anybody to worry about it. You order whatever you want because it's paid for. See, that's what Christ did. He paid for our sin. He's offering, God is offering us a free gift so we can have eternal life. It carries the idea that, no, you know what? It's, it's completely done. It's, it's the nature of our freedom. complete nature of our freedom. And then you look at the cleansing nature of our freedom. And this is really where we we need to stop and begin to examine our own hearts because we're going to be preparing our hearts for communion. But the cleansing nature of our freedom is, it says, there is therefore now, now, No condemnation. In Christ, literally, we are cleansed. We're cleansed from our sin. 1 John 1.9 says that if we confess our sins, what? He is 
faithful. He's just to forgive us our sins and what? Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I mean, I love how God says that. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from the sins you confessed. Doesn't say that. It says, no, he's faithful to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So even if somehow maybe you're not confessing a sin, you know what? That's covered too in Christ. Isn't that great? That's a wonderful, wonderful message. And I think that we need to be reminded of that. That God wants us to be clean in Christ. 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. God assures His children that if anyone sins, we have, what? An advocate with the Father. We have a mediator with the Father. We have someone that's going to stand before the Father and defend us. Who is it? Jesus Christ, the righteous. And He Himself is the propitiation or the the satisfaction for our sins. We don't have to go anywhere else. We don't have to try to work harder to earn our salvation. No, Christ paid for it. It's done. It's over. He says, and not for ours only, but also for those of the whole world. You know what that verse means to me? That I can walk out these doors and I can go down somewhere in Redwood City and I can find someone who doesn't know Christ and hasn't heard the gospel and I can explain the gospel to them and you know what this is good for them they need to turn from their sin they need to turn to Christ but when they do it's not like they're going to pull up to the you know the uh, the, the the gas pump and and try to fill the car I remember growing up in Pennsylvania, we had a gas pump on our property, literally. Like a regular gas pump. It was really cool because we had tractors and all kinds of stuff. Snowmobiles. And I remember one time I wanted to take my mini bike out. I was all excited. I thought I would put gas in. I went over there and nothing. The gas pump was empty. The tank was gone. There was no gas coming out of the whole tank. That's never going to happen to us when we come to Christ. When we come back to him and say, Lord, I blew it. Please forgive me. He's never going to say, oh, sorry, no more grace for you. Nope, not going to happen. And please look at the end of this verse. It says, you know what? This is only available. This is exclusive. This freedom is exclusive. This freedom doesn't apply to everybody. It says that this freedom is for those, this Freedom from condemnation is for those who are what? In Christ Jesus. So if you're here today and you're not in Christ Jesus, you haven't put your faith, your trust in Christ, you haven't gone before a holy God and said, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. You don't have this freedom. I mean, think if you walked into the jail cell And the person on the other side of the glass, you had the authority, you were the judge, and you just slipped a piece of paper through the glass and it said, you know what? Yeah, I broke the law. Sorry. Sign your name. If you sign this, you know what? You're free to go. 
You mean I'm just free? Yeah. Just put your name there under your admission of guilt, and then that's all I need. I'm the judge, and I'm going to let you go free. What fool would say, oh, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> Wouldn't you be a fool if you turned down a deal like that? And yet people do it every day. God is simply extending his hand of grace. He's saying, look, all you have to do is admit. Admit you're a sinner. Admit that you need a savior. Admit that my son is the savior you need. And you know what? As a result of that, you're free. You're free. I trust today that our hearts have been blessed with God's word. But it's important that we remember, because Paul, at the end of chapter 8, verse 31, says this, If God is for us, who can be against us? Who? It's a rhetorical question. Like, no one. If God is on our side, beloved, we don't have to worry. We don't have to fear men. We don't have to fear the criticism of mere man. We're standing on the truth of the infallible, inerrant word of God. We don't have to fear anything. We need to be reminded of that. See, it's time the church has woken up and been able to rally up and, and, and is able to stand up on the truth for the glory of God. This isn't about us. This is for God's glory. God has already spoken on so many issues that we see in the paper daily. And I hear... Well, let me say this. The silence has been deafening from Christian leaders. The silence has been deafening this past week. To the point where I'm going... <laughs> Okay, wait a minute, let me, let me look at this again, you know. Is this right? Is this really right? Because I, I'm not hearing people say that. We need to be reminded, beloved, that Christ is on our side. He is Lord of Lords. He is King of Kings. And he will forever reign. And we need to make sure that we are continuing and rallying around that message. Don't back down. Now, don't go out there and be a, a jerk. You know, don't be some righteous, pious Christian that everybody hates. You be concerned about the sin in your, your own heart. We need to be concerned about the sin in our own heart. God will take care about the sin in somebody else's heart. But we need to take the message of the gospel for the glory of Christ to this lost and dying world in which we live. If we don't, who? who would do, who's going to do it? Father, we thank you for our time this morning where we pray that you would bless your word. We thank you that there is... Therefore, now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And this is Graceful Truth with Pastor Steve Converse from Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City.
Closing out our broadcast today, we're mindful of the fact that you may have questions about the broadcast today. A couple of ways to deal with those questions. A, obtain a copy of the message in its entirety and review it at your convenience. Or B, simply get a hold of us here at Grace Bible Church. Now, the best way to do either is to give us a call at 650-366-9923. Again, that number is 650-366-9923. You can also reach us online, gracebibleonline.org. That's gracebibleonline.org. If you're looking to visit us, we have services at 10 a.m. Sundays, and we're located here in Redwood City. Directions and details can be found again at our website, grace-bibleonline, or by calling 650-366-9923. Hey, let me ask you, what do you believe Can you summarize it? Are you ready to give an answer for the hope that lies within you at any given moment? If not, or maybe you would just like to be refreshed or encouraged in what we believe as Christians, then you need to sign up for this year's Equip Conference. It's happening this September 14th and 15th. Join Mark Spence, Andrew Rappaport, and Dr. Anthony Silvestro for a Friday and Saturday conference that is designed to equip you for everyday ministry. For information, again, reach out to us at gracebibleonline.org or simply call 650-366-9923. And then join us next time for another broadcast of Graceful Truth with Pastor Steve Converse.